Hello, HYP podcast listeners. This is Derek Weitzel, Executive Director of the Harrisburg Young Professionals. Thank you for listening in to our event series, How It's Built in the Berg, stories from Harrisburg area entrepreneurs and the companies they have built here. For a third event of the series, we got to hear from Ama Johnson, founder of Ama Joe, a local fashion company at Strawberry Square in downtown Harrisburg. Back in 2014, Johnson began her line of handbags with one design when she sold her first 20 handbags in a gift shop that was previously located at Hollywood Casino in East Hanover Township. After the sale of 20 handbags, she used her profits to make 100 handbags, which were sold to family and friends and at local expos. Since then, Ama Johnson has expanded into a lifestyle brand including clothing, accessories, and home decor. Her brand, which features over 100 designs, has been featured on Zulily and is placed in over 50 retail stores across 15 states and growing. Larry Benda, editor of the Berg Magazine, takes the interview from here. Well, thank you so much, Alma, for being here thank with you. us. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to uh, see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. We've known each other for a few years. Yeah. I've known you since you got into the retail business. I know. Crazy. And this is, and this is what kind of <laughs> excites me about this interview, because let's face it, in Harrisburg, maybe there's not a lot of retail, and there's not a lot of good retail, and you're kind of the standout, I think, among that. Yeah, so, that's cool. So, each of, so far, each of the... Uh, how it's built in the Berg has tackled something that's been a little bit different, and and this is different because of the fact that you have you know a storefront and you're you're selling things from the store, yeah. and so we're going to talk about that. But before we get to that, uh, tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, you know h- how you got into what you do now, um, and uh, of course what what you do and how you got into it <laughs> as far as both the design aspect and the sales aspect okay. of it. All right, so my story is um, I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and my uh, parents are immigrants from Ghana. And um, I was part of this amazing internship program called Inroads um, downtown Pittsburgh. So I got to have a company sponsor me for the four years I was in school. And that company was Kaufman's, who was with the May Company, who is now Macy's. And so, like, retail is how I started my career, and I um, started, actually, the summer before I went into college. So, I got to intern in the buying offices downtown Kaufman's in this, like, 15-floor department store in my cheap polyester suit and my fake briefcase with nothing in it. And um, I was, like, the girl to pull the sales reports every day. So, you know, that's how I got my start. So I was in the buying office. And so every single summer, I would go and intern um, mainly in the buying offices. And then I'd go out, like, into the stores, too. And it was just a really great program. I worked there every summer because my dad was like, if you don't work, you're not going to eat. So I worked, and they eventually hired me after school. And um, I, you know, I started my career there. I spent five years with the May Company, and I worked, um, when I graduated, I worked down in Maryland, uh, different stores in Maryland, um, did the buying office again, like juniors, pretty much like every single department store department other than like home goods so I, I was able to see like you know what happened on the back end like cost um, you know receiving all those different things that I would have never known anything about 
And so after about five years of that, it's just I was working in the stores and it was too much. I started having kids and that schedule was just so crazy. So I was like, I want an office job. <laughs> I want to sit in an office. I want to be done at like five o'clock. So I, it was kind of like a happy accident that I got this job uh, to work at the, at the chamber because I just wanted an office job. And, um, you know, I love people. So I, I knew that even though I love retail, I, I can do something with people. And so I went to the chamber and, um, you know, I stayed there 10 years. It ended up being 10 years. I did sales, I did membership sales, I did communications, I was a diversity director. I mean, it's a chamber, you do everything. Um, and then eventually I worked my way up to VP. And um, yeah, and then I, I left, I worked for the Hershey Company for a little bit. I love Hershey Company, it was great. It just, I just felt like government relations just wasn't me. You know, I didn't really enjoy that part of it. It wasn't entrepreneurial enough for me. It was a wonderful company. But I was just inspired by the whole Milton Hershey story. And I just had this little idea of what it would be like to have my own line. And that's when I jumped out and started okay, but you, on you, the job. You, you didn't want to sell candy. <laughs> I wanted to eat candy. I didn't want to sell candy. Okay, okay that's fine. <laughs> um, so so you, got, you got to Harrisburg specifically to take the chamber job. Is that what I'm no, hearing? No, to get married no. for a man. Oh. <laughs> You left, I, you I left, never saw myself you, in Harrisburg. You left that out. On, I uh, did. You, you didn't out. ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you skipped right over it. I was like, <laughs> you know? get me a man. Okay. So, um, you have to come here to get a man. <laughs> <laughs> so we, our plan was after, to, I met my husband at Penn State, and um, so we were both going to go to Maryland because we're from Pennsylvania, and I was just like, I want to be out of Pennsylvania. I just want to just be out for a while. So I moved to Maryland, and just one thing after another, the jobs that he was looking for it didn't work out. And then we were waiting to get married, and they were like, we don't need money to get married. We can just, everybody else can pay for it, you know, and then we'll just get married. So we had a really cheap wedding, and um, <laughs> you should have seen, like, my invitations <laughs> that I printed. <laughs> Um, but no, so we got married and then I moved up here and then I started working for the, the stores, the, the Macy's at the time and Harrisburg Mall doing management there and then at Capital City Mall um, for a while. So yeah, at Harrisburg, you know, I'm just, I just wanted to be out of Pennsylvania, but you know, that's kind of what brought us to Harrisburg because he was going to Penn State Harrisburg and um, started working around here. So, so you, st you still are in Pennsylvania. Huh? I, I, I love I'd it. Mention it. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, Harrisburg grew on, grew on me just because, you know, my brother's in Philly, my sister's still in Pittsburgh, and I like to go to New York every now and then. So, you know, once you have kids, I have two kids, it's like this, the cost of living is nice. And I was so broke in Maryland. I mean, so many places. It's so expensive to live. Um, I got offered jobs in Manhattan and stuff like that, and I just figured I'd pretty much be poor. So, <laughs> you know, starting salary in some of these places, like, you would be poor. So, yeah, I love Pennsylvania. Well, I, well, well, I think that's true, and we're happy that you stayed here. Yeah, I'm happy I stayed yeah. here. So, so then bring, bring us up to, uh, you know, a little bit more recently as far as how you got to start your own business. Yeah. So how did that happen? So I just, um, I'm... I am the kind of person I have to do what I love. If I'm not, like, I've always liked my jobs, and I just I don't interview. I never interviewed for anything that I didn't like because I just know me. I have to love it. 
in order for me to live. I cannot go to a job that I hate. Um, so I just didn't love the job that I was in. And it just happened to be a little bit of zeitgeist. Like I had always been like doing, um, ordering samples for different things like lip glosses, handbags, stuff like that. And so I honestly, I just, I looked, I was in my office one day and I was just like, I need to get out of here. So um, I uh, talked to my husband, he was elated. Do you mean that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's supportive, but you know what I mean? Like he's an engineer, he's like, he's a, ca he's a calculator. Um, so, but I just had to do, so anyways, I did like marketing on the side and um, you know, I did like branding and design logos and stuff like that on the side. And then how I started is I just, you know, I read different designer stories of how they got started. And um, I, I thought I would start like selling direct to the customer first, but I realized like, hey, you know, I don't really have the financing right now to do that, to make a bunch of bags. So I just saw like a lot of stories, designers would get samples made and they would shop those samples and start wholesale because in the wholesale business, they're okay with waiting three to six months to get their order. So I got one sample made, printer dollars, and then I sketched out in Illustrator the other little bags and what they would look like. And I just started calling people and, um, you know, put my story together online, put my little website together for 29 bucks a month. And I just started calling people and I got my first wholesale order um, from a casino. And they ordered 20 bags. What casino? It was at the Hollywood Casino gift shop. Oh, wow. Um, it, they used to have, like, a, their gift shop used to be, like, this huge fashion, you know, centric gift shop. It's not like that anymore. It's like a cafe. But they ordered 20 bags. I was so happy. I was like, how am I going to make 20 bags? <laughs> <laughs> and y'all had the pictures. And I was, and I did. I sourced the fabrics. Like, I knew what I would use. I'm like, this is what it's going to look like in yellow and orange and black. So I, I just, I kept reading about, again, how other designers got started, knowing my story and kind of knowing in the background, like in the buying office, how, you know, we had to wait for orders. So I was very honest with him. I was like, I'm new. Um, I'm going to need like a 50% deposit to do this. And they did it. And I was very honest with them. I said, it's my first time. It's probably going to take me maybe three to four months. And, you know, um, it took, yeah, it took about four months to do it. And then what I did is I ordered a hundred bags with what they gave me. And I just gave myself a year to sell through that. And I figured if I can't sell a hundred bags in a year, then I don't need to do this. And so I kept doing marketing on the side. I did little tables at pop-up shows. I called my friend. I begged my friends. Um, you know, I, I, but I was just in that one store for the first year just to see how it went. They, they did sell out and they reordered. Um, how long did it take you to sell out those hundred bags? Um, I was done. Like I, after the end of the year, I had like eight bags left. And then I was still like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? And so I just, um, I found out like two weeks before the Philadelphia gift show happened, I found out about it, which is purely a buyer show. So there are stores, they're coming to buy. And uh, I read this story about Eileen Fisher and how, you know, she got started um, at a New York show and that she never did Fashion Week or anything like that. And I, I always had a vision of not having this. Um, I mean, we have some bags that are expensive, but I always wanted to have like a value designer line just because that's how I like to shop and I wanted to, it to be something that all women could afford. 
Um, so I just decided I'm not going to do all that fashion week stuff. I don't have the money to do all that. It's too expensive. So I got into this buyer show and um, I had no money for a display. So I bought these white boxes off of Amazon and they were like 12 inch shipping boxes and they were white. And I got like 50 of them. And so I like built this wall at the gift show of all these purses and I had like eight purses. <laughs> on these little boxes and I bought LED lights and I put them there and I was cracking up. These people were lugging in like tables and everything. And I came in with my tape and I set up and this one lady was walking out. She was like, I don't know you, but I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the whole show, everyone was like, everyone was like what a nice display, like this is great. So I, I used the last, actually that's the last, so I had those eight bags and then I had ordered two more samples of like another style so I really had two styles and I mean when you go to these buyer shows people have like 50 60 and I had two styles <laughs> in a lot of different colors okay and so I got to my first 10 stores there okay well yeah. what why handbags what as opposed to anything else that's funny because I I always thought I was going to start with cosmetics and um, I just, and, and, and then I thought, I thought I was going to start with clothing, and I just decided that, first of all, the cosmetics was great, but it didn't have the margin that I needed, you know, to build, I felt, um, and I would have to do, like, too much too fast to make that work. And then clothing, I, um, I love that, and I still, you know, am dabbling in that. But it, the sampling process for clothing is long and it's a little expensive, so I just decided. And actually, I'm gonna say like my customer actually decided for me because I showed people samples and it just seemed like the bags, like they just really, really loved the bags. So I just, I mean, even up to, to now, we can talk about it later, but I just listened to my customer and I just found that for whatever reason, the design of the bag that I did, which was my signature design, like women just really, really loved it. It was different enough. It was a great price. Uh, they loved the story. So I was actually a happy accident. Um, people just started liking it. Okay, and, and how about the design aspect? Why did you get into that as opposed to just, you know, ordering stuff that already existed. Why did you want to design? How, yeah. How did that well, because I'm a shopper and like I'm that kind of person. Like if I go shopping, I'm like, oh, I really like this. I look at the tag. I look at everything. And I know where I can get it. And so I just figured it's not going to be special. It's not going to be unique. And I wanted to have my own namesake line. If that was just like always my dream. So I actually did have, you know, my own collection. And then I did do wholesale. You know, I bought some wholesale stuff to like color it up and beef up my inventory. I still do that in the showroom just because, you know, some people, you know, they, they have, they like something different. And I don't feel like going and making or designing a whole new collection for certain items. So I do wholesale still. But I just wanted to have my own. I wanted to be able to say that I have something that only people could get it from me. Stores could only get it from me. Not a million other wholesalers. And I had something unique. I felt like, um, and actually I did a little focus group when I started at Cornerstone Coffee House. And it was like eight different women from the community, all different like job levels. And the one thing they all said is like, we would just love to have something unique. We do not want to have something that a thousand other women have. Like that's, that's what we think is missing. So 
again, it's the customer. Yeah, and what makes your product unique, do you think? Um, the design of it. The design is unique, and what I started doing, which was another happy accident, is I designed my own print, so I do my own digital art, and then I put it on the bag. And um, again, I just kind of did that one day, because I used to doodle all the time, and I was like, I should put this doodling on a bag and see how it goes. And people just loved it. They loved the story. They just, they loved the colors. Um, and so, the, you know, the, the, the story is different. The designs are unique. And they're limited time. So we'll do, at the most, like 50 of a particular design. And then it's done. We don't bring it back. And people feel like they have something, you know, that's different. And then we started doing some stuff in Africa where my parents are from and people like that story and you know some people just like the handmade kind of thing so yeah okay so tell us then about how you transitioned to an actual like store location and what was the <laughs> thought process behind that I was everything's like an accident that it just worked out I, I I had gotten into yeah so after the Philadelphia gift show I got into those first 10 stores and then I started my little wholesale website and then I started selling more and more and like designing more collections and honestly I was tripping over handbags in my house. <laughs> I mean like the basement my was just my husband's man cave. Like some days he'd be like, babe, like I can't get to the TV. Um, yeah, handbags in a man cave. That doesn't work out very well. The conflict. It's so pretty. What do you mean? <laughs> um, so I started, I mean, I really didn't think I'd have a retail showroom, but I just happened to be talking to Brad Jones at the time. At, CEO of Harristown. At, at CEO of Harristown. And they were talking about this study they were doing about, um, it was retail and then like other things of what people wanted downtown. And he was talking about how there weren't a lot of women's stores. And um, there was the announcement at the time that the dress barn was going to be closing. And so I just figured, wow, you know, like, Strawberry Square would be great because I've never wanted to be in a mall because I feel like I don't want to be near like 50 other people selling handbags and have to explain why my bag is better than that Tory Burch bag. You know, I wanted to be in a place that was unique and I also did not want to be in a standalone place where I had to do so much to get foot traffic. So that little space at Strawberry Square was just, it was just like the perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually thought I'd just be open a little bit and then I'd focus more wholesale. But then the retail showroom started taking off. Again, like I said, some other women's stores had closed and people were looking for things. And I just started adding what people were asking for. Hey, we need belts. I'd add belts. Oh, we're looking for hats. And still, that's what we do. Right. So you... you pretty quickly expanded next door. Yeah, right? mm -hmm. yeah, we did. Again, um, there were more studies being done. People were looking for home decor. Um, met, guys were looking for places to shop, you know, to get something, you know, a tie for 30 bucks, you know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of, again, whatever mm -hmm. people were asking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, that, uh, I would think that the shoppers at Strawberry Square are a little bit unique as far as Harrisburg goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, a little different than people who, you know, if you had a, a shop in Midtown or yeah. Uptown or something, it would be, true. It, this is a little different because it's, it's mostly, it's, it's a large, well, I'm going to say it's state workers, but it's more than state workers. Also, a lot of people are just passing through Harrisburg. It is, yeah. So we, it's more than 50% of the people who shop there for us are state workers. We have a little coupon code that they get a discount and then, you know, we're able to see that. And it is. They come, 
uh, they shop on their break, they shop on their lunch break, and it's just, you know, and now, like, you know, you look at all those different retail reports and everything happening with department stores, people, I know for me as a mom, I don't want to park at a mall, and I don't want to walk through, like, five floors of stuff, you know, if I'm just looking for one thing. So, it's, again, Zeitgeist, like, we have the small store format. People really like it. If they need some jewelry or whatever, they can stop and get it from us on their way home. So, yeah, the state workers are big. And then, um, yeah, us being near the train station is great because we get a lot of people. They're going to the train station. Their their bus doesn't come for an hour or whatever, and then they come and they they find us. And so I have – it's funny now. We started getting, like – regulars from out of state you know like oh this is girl this attorney from new york she's here yeah come shop <laughs> and you know what i love saying when they're like where is this in new york and i'm like it's not in new york <laughs> it's in harrisburg it's PA. in pennsylvania <laughs> we are trendsetters <laughs> can't find this in manhattan <laughs> yeah well the interesting thing about a lot of people don't know this but you know harrisburg if you're here you don't realize like how many visitors come through there's here, so and there's many. tons. So and, many. and Strawberry Square, Square really is kind of a crossroads. Yep. So many people come through there. They do. Um, they in fact, do. I was I was uh, a couple weeks ago. I was at Little Amps, and I had a coffee, and then <laughs> I got up and I was walking towards the escalator, and uh, this group of older people came <laughs> up to me. This one guy came up to me, and he was with this group, and he said, "Do you know where we can get something to eat around here?" <laughs> So I said, yeah, there's a huge, you know... There, there, just look the, up. The, right, right, just look up, exactly. There's a huge food court. Um, I think I ended up sending him somewhere else. But... Um, but uh, they, know, yeah, right. Yeah. But they said they were from, like, Wisconsin or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing in Harrisburg, but there's a lot of that. So there I'm, are consultants, you know, a lot of people. There's a lot of, you know, because of the Hilton, and, you know, people are coming for events all the time. Um, you know, contract workers, there's all kinds of people that come through here. And then, you know, in the summer, Hershey Park. So people do want to, you know, they're in Hershey and they're like, oh, well, you need to go downtown Harrisburg. It's the capital. So, yeah, there's a lot of transient people that come through. Mm -hmm. And so we start relying on that. And then, you know, since we're online, it's nice to be able to add them to the list and yeah. keep in touch with them. Yeah, What what is kind of your breakdown of retail versus online sales? Yeah, so I, again, started backwards as a designer. So I started wholesale, um, and then I opened the retail shop, and then I was like, oh, I really need to build this e-commerce. Um, so right now it's about 60%, 60-70% is the retail showroom. Again, did not expect that. Um, and then 20% wholesale. I can't add. And the rest is just, you know. The rest is not. So it's like 10% online right now. Okay, so yeah. score one for good old-fashioned brick and mortar. <laughs> good. I, I like that. Yeah, small mm -hmm. local. Yeah, yeah. oh, and I love I, that. I do think in Harrisburg, people like small local. Like, yeah. look at Little Amps. That's They've true. got three locations. Like, Starbucks came and went. Um, and, you know, like, the restaurants downtown, I would think, that are doing really well. I mean, are these, like, local... But they're local strong brands, you know what I mean? Cafe Fresco and, you know... Like provisions, like when when we walked into provisions, hey Adam, you know you walk in there and you're like, you know I have people all the time. They're like, so where are the other provisions? You know, because you go there and it has this great look and feel. And I just feel like the locals do like that strong, strong local brand. Yeah, and that's yeah. A, and that is definitely a great a great thing about Harrisburg that you have these individual entrepreneurs, you do. which which you know we we know because we're doing this series here, <laughs> right? 
but uh, who have high quality things. Yeah. And not only do they do it better than the chains, way better than the yeah. chains that you're going to find out in the suburbs, yeah. but also just like yourself, they have personality. Yeah. And and that personality is imbued in their product. So whether true. you know whether it's handbags or whether it's coffee or whether mm-hmm. it's beer mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you can and and they have course the people who start these businesses have their heart and soul in it but but it's almost like it comes through their product their personality and their hard work it's true and I think um you know one thing I realized when I worked at the chamber is that you know man like central Pennsylvania they really I mean it's very family oriented so um you know and I think we love companies that are like involved in the community so because we're all at shows and you know we're we, we don't do a lot of monetary do- donations and sponsorships right now because we're small, but we do a lot of, you know, giving towards silent auctions. And I will. I'll have a lot of customers that will go, oh, you know, I think it's really great that you're involved with the community. And so I think that is another disconnect with some of these larger retailers is, like, you're here and the people shop here, but, you know, like, what are you doing in the community. So I know for us, that's like a big part of how we've grown the showroom is even, you know, if we do a little pop-up in Carlisle or, you know, at a women's event or something like that, that, that helps us grow too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so how do you, how do, how do you sort of let, like we just talked about how a lot of the, um, a lot of the businesses in Harrisburg come from individual people and individual personalities. How does your personality kind of imbue what you offer? <laughs> well, it helps me sell on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think as a, like a fashion brand, specifically as a fashion brand, I think that, um, you know, I'm going to speak for women, like namesake brands are always interesting, right? Because we ev- everyone wants to know the story. I mean, I do love a lot of namesake brands. And um, like, like I love Tori Burch, and I love her story, like uh, what she's doing for women. So I think in terms of my personality, how it's helped, is just it just helped me to connect with the customer. And, um, you know, and they know my story, and they know how I started. And, and I'm really honest with this is exactly how I started, and this is exactly what I'm doing to grow. And I'm honest with people, like, I'm still small, you know, I'm still in te- test phase. I'm still less than five years old as a business. So I just think um, the showroom has given me a chance to meet my customer, which is I think that retail brick and mortar still is important because, it gives me a chance to get in front of my customer, shake their hand, and hear from them, um, so they can so they can meet me and know me. And then I do think online as a fashion brand, you have to have something like you have to do video. And I just figured, hey, I've always wanted to be on QVC. I'm not on there yet, so I'll just do a live video, and you know, and sell my brand. And then you know, I make jokes, and you know, um, I use all of my customers in a lot of my photo shoots. I don't book models. I don't want to book models. So um, that's another way that I've connected with people. And um, it's funny when I started doing that. This one guy, um, one of my one of my friends, was like, um, "I don't think you should do that, you know, because your customer's trying to escape. She wants to escape her life, and she wants." He's like, oh, look at these top brands. You know, she wants to look like her, but no, she never can. And she wants, to, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? You are so wrong." <laughs> You know, I do think there's that part Customer's of... always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, I'm sure you're not going to be sporting my signature bag. Um, but I think, I think it's two things. So we'll take, like, a local woman, 
and we will doll them up and make them look like they, you know what I mean? Like give them that experience that, that she's always wanted, but not been able to be a part of, you know what I mean? And so that too is a part of my personality, connecting women um, and kind of taking the everyday woman and making her a superstar, like in our branding. That is one thing that, that over the last year that has really, really, really helped us. Yeah. Okay, and, and so talk to us about some of the biggest challenges that you've faced and how you've overcome them. I don't know that I've overcome them. I mean, I think the biggest thing now that um, I'm facing is like, you know, retail used to just be retail. You know, you go, you buy something, and that's it. And now it's like you have to have a specific business model now for retail. You know, there's the QVC model, which is selling live from a show. There is, you know, there are certain companies that are strictly wholesale and they only sell to stores. And now, like, from where I've started to where I am now, I'm like a hybrid of a lot of those things. I'm, I'm wholesale, retail, um, starting to build the online thing. And so now, you know, the challenges, and I haven't overcome it, is like, what is going to be the best thing for me as a business model? Because everything, you have to scale it. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, you can't keep selling one bag at a time in order to exist. So wholesale really helps. Um, and then, you know, there's times where wholesale is not really kicking it and the retail showroom is like really on it. So then I just kind of go like, should I divide up all my attention or should I go with this particular business model? So I haven't overcome that. I, I think probably my customer is going to answer that question for me. Um, so I think that, and just in general, like, how do you grow? You know what I mean? Because you only have so much time in the day, and it's like the chicken or the egg, like, oh, I could do this if I had more people. And then I'm like, well, I can't really pay for more people, so I have to do this. And, you know, you only have so much time in the day. So there are a lot of days at the end of the day I'm like, did I get, did I focus on all the right things? You know, should I have been focused on something else? Should I have been, like, making wholesale calls instead of, you know, doing stuff for the showroom or doing promos for the showroom? So that's kind of mm -hmm. the biggest challenge. How mm -hmm. do I grow? Yeah. And, and how about finding people reliable uh, labor? <laughs> you know how that is. You've got I, a business. <laughs> I, I, I do know how that is. Fortunately, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a different niche. You are, yeah. But I, I have heard from a lot of business owners who I know who own restaurants and stores in Harrisburg that that's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, that is a challenge. It definitely is a challenge. You know, my newfound, like, um, jewel is, like, the retired woman. The woman who's retired, um, she doesn't have to work if she doesn't want to and she wants to work in a beautiful place where she doesn't have you know a supervisor or a boss and uh, I have one lady that works for me Marianne um, she's so much fun she's like she, everyone's like is that your mom and I'm like no she's just another beautiful older black woman but she's not my mom um, <laughs> who knows how to accessorize I love when people say oh I met your mom I'm like I never that was my mom. <laughs> She's your mom in a way, isn't she? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, she you know, like she worked all her life, and you know, she. Um, the other day she's like oh man you know this is just so great to be able to just work somewhere that I really really love like it's the first you know 
she just loves being there. So anyways, you know, I have another lady, you know, that I'm going to get. So, I, you know, I would love to, I mean, I do have interns and stuff like that who help. But the day-to-day, -day, you know, retail person, you know, it's, it's the hourly rate versus what you're going to get. And I just, I kind of just go with the retiree right now because of where I am. And they only want part-time and... It's easier for me, but it is hard. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of hard, what what are the challenges both of being a, a female entrepreneur and an African American female entrepreneur? Are, are there unique challenges? Do you think? And if so, what might they be? I'm like, I love being the black girl in the room. I mean, it's great. I have a, <laughs> it's wonderful. I, I but I have never looked at color as an issue. Mm -hmm. For me, my parents are African. They are African, and so my mom, if you meet my mom, it's just, like, so funny. My mom is 72 years old, and she's, like, the most proud West African woman you have ever met. And to us, like, my, my story with, like, people and culture is, like, my parents being immigrants, um, they were involved in a lot of international outreach because there was this church that we went to, and they did a lot of international stuff, so... All of our friends, I mean, they were white, they were black, they were Indian, they were Asian. I tell people, they don't believe me, like, I didn't know I was black until I was in the first grade. Or, or, or that there was an issue with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just, my mom was always like, you're yeah, West African, we are queens, we own the world, we built this and that. You know, that's just how she is, very proud. So I've always looked at my culture and my color as just something beautiful. Um, I probably just ignore who, do, who has a problem with that. You know, never, it's never, it's never, I've never let it hold me back. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me just in my career has always been like when you're young and you're trying to be taken seriously. You know what I mean? It's always been like being the young person in the room or, you know, when I started in my career, I always had great experiences in my career, but, you know, sometimes when you're trying to move up or you're trying to get something done and you just really want to be taken seriously or, you know, like when I left my corporate job and, you know, I've been in a corporate, corporate job for 15 years and then, you know, like people would go like, you're selling bags, <laughs> like you're selling purses, you know what I mean? And so that was always more the challenge for me, like, um, you know, letting people know, hey, I'm serious about this. This is not just something that I started and I'm going to go do something else. This is very serious. And then also, you know, when you're new with anything, I think it's a challenge because, you know, you're not known yet and, okay, what is Amajo? And so I think my challenge has always just been, you know, making sure that people, um, feeling that people are taking me seriously, but I've always, you know, had great people in my corner and that has <laughs> always, that has always helped me. Mm -hmm. You know, being young, you know, that problem resolves itself over time. <laughs> So. It does. I'm 40 <laughs> just, now, yeah. <laughs> just naturally happens. It does. Know. It yeah. does. Happened to me, too. I don't know how that happened. Um, so so what, what, is there anything that you think you might have done differently upon reflection? Yeah, people ask me that a lot, and I'm just, I guess I'm always that person, like, hey, no, I have no regrets, you know. Um, I mean, there's different, when I think of what I would have done different, they're more like operational things, like, oh my God, I wish when I started my showroom that everything was barcoded, you know? Um, <laughs> you, okay. you wouldn't believe. Okay. No, yeah, what you have to go through, mm -hmm. like at the end of every month, like there is just cer cer 
I like love everything about this business. I hate inventory and I just hate all the spreadsheets. And so the end of the month, you know, you're reconciling everything. And, you know, there are times where I'm like, oh man, like why didn't I like have this in place before I went and did this? Like I knew, but I just think that those are, you're always going to have those things. Um, I probably would have, I think that I, I, I would have loved to just like learn the e-commerce thing quicker, you know, because everything is just moving so fast now. So, uh, but other than that, I, I don't, I don't have any regrets because everything that I'm doing now is because I learned and there was always like an experience or, um, someone that I met that helped me and, I just think that is really what you have to do. Like, people ask me all the time, um, how do you know you're going to make it? And I go, like, well, I didn't start to not make it. I'm not waking up every single morning to do this thinking, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to do that, you know? So I think part of it is is that, um, I mean, the hard numbers are, are, you know, so you've got to react to that and, in front of that but I do think everything is just it's based off what you believe and believing in yourself because yeah like people would say like 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 a woman needs another handbag you know but um, it was for me it wasn't just about the handbags because I love inspiring women that's kind of what started this whole thing so I feel like as long as I'm inspiring my customer then I feel like the brand will always live and I just have to figure out how to make it survive. So I just wish maybe operationally I just did things differently okay. to start. So, so the last question I have before maybe we get to a couple of audience questions is to me the most important question, which is <laughs> what, what might it be? Um, Can might, you have a handbag? No, you can't no. have a free handbag. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. No fair. Um, no, it's, it's this that uh, I think maybe a lot of people share this opinion uh, reta- with, with, a very, with a very few exceptions, um, including definitely yourself, retail in Harrisburg. Let's just say it sucks. So what, why do you think that is and what can we do about it? Well, the why, I can't really say I know exactly why, because, I mean, everyone tells me about, you know, the shops that used to be downtown and, you know, the Wanamakers and all this and that. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I would probably say why, because it's very tough. It's a tough thing to do. And I would say my personal opinion now for retail, especially for women's retail, I encourage people, like, you need to be a brand. You really, really need to be a brand. Like, if you're going to open a retail store and everyone always wants to know, like, what's different about you? Like, why would I buy this versus buying it online? So I just always think, like, having something unique will keep you. Um, And I think that, um, I, I do, it's a very tough business. I think it's why people haven't done it. And I do think if more retailers were brands they could make more of a case you know because now people are so informed you know I even have like some wholesale stuff and if I have wholesale stuff I look to see what other stores have it as and I price it right near there because the lady that comes in and she's like this is $59 and it's online for $29 you know like she knows where to get it but my own stuff my own Amajo stuff it's unique like it is unique 
I'm able to, like I just registered my brand, you know, with Amazon so that I own my brand on Amazon, you know what I mean? So I can be different and uh, if it's online, then it's me. You know, I decided that, you know, two years ago after trying to work with different people, like I really want to be able to control pricing and stuff like that. Um, so I think specifically to retail, it's hard to survive if you're not a brand because you're just really, at anything in your store, people can get somewhere else. Um, but I, I think, you know, every, it seems like every business goes, every industry goes in like cycles, right? And so I think it's now back to small, local, and I just feel as long as I keep my, if I have more stores and more showrooms, I'm going to keep them small because it seems like small just, it, it worked back then and it works now. I just feel like small store, for, small store format is the way to go and the way to stay. And yeah, even though it's changing, and I, I do think people overdo the Amazon effect. It's like, Amazon's not affecting every part of your life. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I just still feel like as long as human beings are human beings, they're going to want to walk into a store and buy something nice. And as long as I just kind of maybe don't grow too quick and keep it at the format that I have it have now and grow online, it'll be that way. I hope that, you know, there are more retailers that open up in, in Harrisburg. But I, I don't know. I think it's maybe just the demographic and maybe it'll come back. Yeah, if it comes back, I think it's going to be exactly what you're doing, which is very shoppy and very unique, something yes. you can't find. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you all feel about this, but I refuse to take my money and <laughs> send it to Jeff Bezos in Seattle <laughs> or send it to Silicon Valley. So, you know, let's try to keep it local. I totally agree. You know, but you also, you know, you have to make it convenient for the customer so we make it easy for them to order online and and stuff like that because as a as um you know a person especially as a woman nowadays it just it does boil down to time mm -hmm. you know people wanting to be able to get in and get something and get something easily mm -hmm. yeah well that's true i mean mm -hmm. i hear a lot of people are just grocery shopping off of amazon now, yeah so. i know yeah. yeah i just mm -hmm. can't the pantry thing they like. should go be going to provisions <laughs> provisions people that's where they should be going <laughs> How do you structure your day? <laughs> um, so I'm, I like structure my week. Um, the days just, I feel like they do get away from me. So Monday is the day that like I balance everything and I do bill pay. Tuesday is like the day that I, I call it my industry day. So I read all the retail, I'm like, like 10 different retail um, e-newsletters. Like I just kind of pick different um, um articles to read. I, I'm always, I really do think whatever industry and like trends are really important. So I look at trends like right now, customization is like a huge trend. So we have like some samples of dresses that customers can come in. They can pick their print, you know, whatever. Um, so I do that Tuesdays. And then, um, yeah, I just have like days for specific things. And I am just, I lose my attention so quickly. I use Todoist now. Do you guys use that? It's a Google app. And it's just, it's just like a, um, a to-do app on Google, Todoist. And I just have one thing a day that I need to get done. And I just go like, this is my top priority for the day, is doing this specific packet or scheduling this, these Facebook emails. And then I just go from there because there's so much 
it's so much to do. So in order for me to actually, because if I don't do that, if I don't write something down or say I'm going to commit to one thing, I just, it's like my day spins out of control and I feel like I don't really get anything done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, sort of building on that, the next question is, what is your favorite way to decompress, of course, assuming that you do? <laughs> oh, I do. Okay. I do. Well, I like to just go, you know, I'll go like to New York or something like that with my friends. Um, I mean, since being a mom, I've been focused more on more decompression at a cocktail club or something like that with my friends. <laughs> Martinis, that's how I decompress. <laughs> I like that. I seriously, like, I don't have to do a lot or like, I, if I'm out with my friends, and I have a martini or four, then I'm like, I'm good. And, and Uber. <laughs> so Uber is the key to decompression. <laughs> I like being with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, my friends give me energy. And I just feel like, you know, and then you deal with so many issues. And a lot of times you feel like, you know, everyone does a pity party thing. Like, oh, my life is just, I'm having such a tough time. And then you go out with your girlfriend and she's like, shut up, you know. And you just have a good time and you just remember that whatever you're going through is not something that you can't get through. You just have to get away from it. Sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. basically, I'm saying I drink with my friends. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that sounds good to me. Not um, like stupid drunk, please. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sloshy, but I just like being with my friends. Okay. So, <laughs> Try to clean up. <laughs> so, so the next morning when you wake up on the street. Uh, <laughs> I see all the birds, Larry. Like, pretty birds. <laughs> But you're near Strawberry Square anyway, so you just go to work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the train station. Yeah. <laughs> or usually I'll go like, that bartender made that really strong on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, moving on. Um, owning your own business can be rewarding, but also very much of a grind. What keeps yeah. you motivated? What inspires you? What, inspi- what inspires me are, are my customers. Um, that's the number one thing that inspires me. Um, you know, just the other day I had a lady walked in and it was kind of sad, but she was just like, she came in and she bought a few things and I didn't know why she was buying them. And she was like, Hey, you know, I bought, you know, some things for my brother's funeral and I just, I really needed something. It was like sudden and I needed something at the last minute. And I was just, I was kind of stunned. Like I didn't know what to say. And I kind of forget that, you know, people buy this stuff and then they go and they use it like in their real life, you know, day to day. And they go through things in their life with, you know, stuff that they bought from me. So I love hearing customer stories. You know, women, we love to talk and cackle and laugh. So we're always having a good time in the showroom. So I would say that. And I think what inspires me all the time is like what it could be. You know, I know what it is now. And a lot of times that's what gets me through the grind because I do get days where I'm just like, oh my God, like this is so much. And you, you do feel like some days that you're buried by your business. You know what I mean? Um, but then you have to remember, I did this to myself. And, um, and then I think about, I think always, you always have to think forward. And I, you know, a lot of times, here's what always inspires me. I think of those days when I was walking through Kaufman's department store downtown Pittsburgh with my little suit. And I was walking past like better sportswear. And I was looking at the DKNY and the Ralph Lauren brands. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish one day, you know, 
I could be that or have that. So that kind of drives me thinking about what, what it could be next. Mm, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you've achieved some of that, so, <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's really, yeah, that's yeah, really, it's really neat. It's really neat to, you know, when people, like I had a lady that came in, and she's like, oh, all my friends have one, and I have to get my Amajo bag. And she kept saying, my Amajo bag, I've got Amajo bag. And it just really <laughs> made me feel happy, you know uh-huh. what I mean, that she was coming in, and she really wanted to have one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's terrific. Yeah. 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 I'm even happy when I see people walking around with one of our you know, Berg tote bags. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 Little canvas They're bag. They're beautiful. Berg Oco. <laughs> you should design bags. No, uh, <laughs> I didn't even design that. I just started the company. That's all I did. But it's a great brand. You have like great uh, covers mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe we'll talk about me at some point, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I have a very long question. I'm, Ooh, assuming, this, I'm assuming this is from Adam Porter. No, actually, uh, you have already. Oh, okay. okay. Wow, I'm surprised. It's like 300 words long. <laughs> I love these. I love these. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned we a number of times. Are there functions within the company besides retail sales? Do you rely on other areas of expertise, or have you become um, a... It says... He crossed out Jack and put Jill of all trades. I love that. Re- relating to web design, supply chain management, accounting, administration, etc. What areas do you find you need to delegate as you grow, and how do you go about that? Okay, let me look at that again. Yeah. <laughs> Take notes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so like I told uh-huh. you, I'm not numbers person. Um, and I'm not into like the detail. So from the very beginning, I um, made sure that you know I had somebody doing my books and stuff like that because I just knew that if I don't have that right, then I'm not going to be able to go after greater opportunities. Like like um, we were on Zulily and we're pitching like to other larger companies, and right off the bat. Um, they want certain information. They want all your SKUs in a spreadsheet. They want, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I always wanted to be able to say I've got balance sheets, you know, and everything at the end of the month. Doesn't matter what they look like, if I had a good month or not, that I had that because I just felt like that's just part of my due diligence. So those numbers, um, I think that I do get short-sighted with, you know, sometimes my ideas are like so big. So I do have, um, you know, some different mentors that I sit down with and talk through some of my ideas. I I think, you know, when you start, you're used to like, I have this idea, I'm going to do it. And then the more you grow, you realize, first of all, I can't do all that. And then second of all, you realize that sometimes you are getting in, in your own way. And that an idea might be great, but it might be great if you just break it down. So I have people that, you know, kind of help me think. Um, I, when it comes to the website stuff, I probably should not be doing all that stuff by myself, but I am so picky about the branding because one of the things that I learned, um, interning in retail is that what you really have is your brand, you know, and, um, at the end of my retail career with the May Company, I used to manage uh, people in the cosmetics division, which was, oh my goodness, the personalities. Um, but you started to learn that a lot of the different companies were owned by like the same conglomerate, and you realized that what was different was 
the logo and the brand and the picture on that box. And you knew like a lot of brunettes shopped Lancome and that's what was in their ads. And they had a lot of um, older women and blonde women in Estee Lauder and that's what their brand was. They had young people in Clinique and then they had, you know, every brand kind of like in the Chanel custom was very unique and eccentric. And so um, I realized that, you know, everything really is about having that strong brand. So when it comes to some of the marketing and design things, that I, I should probably let some of it go, but I can't. Um, I probably need to do that next because it's a lot of time. Um, and then, you know, I, I am still sm small. So like the sourcing and stuff like that, I, I have people offering to help me with sourcing. But, you know, by the time I calculate how much it's going to cost me, it's like this, that stuff that I know how to, how to do. Um, in terms of adding other skills and stuff like that to the brand, we are going to start doing women's programs um, because before I even started the brand, I um, and I was doing like the marketing on the side, I was doing some women's events to inspire them, kind of using my experience from the chamber, guiding them to resources, and it's just something that I really love to do. And that even came before the brand. So I have lots of women asking me for help, and I figure I might as well just turn it into a program, you know, a little bit of a revenue generator and helps me locally, and it's a need, you know, it's a need for um, women starting. So I think I answered that. Okay, I think, I think you did. <laughs> it was... Your answer was slightly longer than the actual question. I know it was. But not that I, and much. And I knew. I was much. like, I'm rambling. I was like, not, I don't care. Not, not that much. <laughs> um, do we have any other questions from the audience before we close out? Yes. yes. Uh, you mentioned mentors recently. Yeah. Uh, I guess my question is kind of twofold. Like, what, what kind of people are who have been your best mentors? Um, and what's, what's the, the greatest piece of advice you've gotten from someone that's applied to you that... Oh, that's that a good question. Yeah. And so the question is about mentors yes. so that we record this. Got it. Um, and mentorship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, my previous boss is one of my huge mentors uh, because, you know, I worked with him for 10 years and he kind of knows what I'm great at and not great at. Um, so most of my mentors, though, they're, o they're older. They're like l maybe, you know, late 50s, 60s. That's one of the – it's just happened to me that way that I noticed – so, um, and the reason why I think that's important is like, um, I do think that there are things that just don't change, like picking up the phone and calling somebody that never gets old, um, shaking a hand, having great relationships with people. And that's some of the things that like my mentors really teach me and help me with. None of them are in retail. Um, most of them are like, you know, opposite kind of personalities. They're accountants. Uh, one guy uh, owned a manufacturing company. They manufacture like stone. Um, <laughs> but, but what I learned is that, you know, there are just certain things. It doesn't matter what the industry is that are just um, always true. And so the probably the most important piece of advice that I got is slow down. Because, you know, when you start off, you start following, right, all these entrepreneurial blogs, and you get really excited, and then you're like, oh, my God, I did my logo. Everybody likes it. And you're kind of like in this world, and it's dreamy. And then you start reading all these articles about fast growth and making your first six figures, and, you know, and you kind of get obsessed with growing fast. And I was there, too. And, I mean, more than, more than a few of my mentors have said, just slow down. 
And it's simple, but it really helped me. Like, why am I so obsessed with growing so quick? Is that like my ego? You know, and um, I just, that has just really helped me to say like, okay, I'm not going to do these five things anymore. And I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to get this right. So I think slowing down is like my best piece of advice, hardest piece of advice. You're like, usually when my mentors tell me something that I don't like, I just get quiet for like five minutes because I'm so excited about all my ideas, you know, and then I, then I'll be like, I'm mad at you, but you know, I'll think about what you said. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's a treasure. I would not be able to do what I'm doing without these great people. Thank you for listening to the HYP podcast. Our next event will be in July with serial entrepreneur Adam Porter, who is also the co-founder of Provisions and Startup Harrisburg. You can learn more about this event series and others by heading to our website, hyp.org. Special thanks to our event sponsors, M&T Bank, Dixon University Center, Provisions, and And Culture. Also, thank you to Clark Stefanik for the recording and editing of this podcast. Until next time, keep building in the bird.